0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we return to the book of Jeremiah as we see the prophet giving a grim message to a suffering nation. But there still was hope to those who would choose it. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Jeremiah chapter 21 on Simply the Bible.
0: We continue today in Jeremiah chapter 21, the word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord when King Zedekiah sent to him Pasher, the son of Melchiah, and Zephaniah, the son of Maaseah, the priest, saying, Please inquire of the Lord for us, for Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, makes war against us. Perhaps the Lord will deal with us according to all his wonderful works, that the king may go away from us. Now, the book of Jeremiah is not arranged in chronological order. There have been attempts to arrange it as such, but this is difficult because Jeremiah does not always identify the time that he received a prophetic word of the Lord. But we have no difficulty pinpointing the time of Jeremiah 21 through 24. These prophecies were given to the kings of Judah during the Babylonian siege just before King Nebuchadnezzar completely destroyed Jerusalem. The siege began January 15, 588 B.C. and ended July 18, 586 B.C., a period of just over 30 months. Now, the false prophets had been prophesying that there would be peace and that King Nebuchadnezzar would not conquer Jerusalem. Jeremiah alone had been prophesying all along that Nebuchadnezzar would destroy Jerusalem and take the people captive, and he was persecuted for saying it. In the meantime, King Zedekiah had reached out to Egypt for help, but this had been a vain attempt. Now that it was painfully obvious Jeremiah was right, King Zedekiah inquired of this prophet he earlier despised. Zedekiah's hope was that the Lord would deliver them miraculously as he had delivered Jerusalem from the Assyrians during the days of Hezekiah. But it was too late for that. Then Jeremiah said to them, thus you shall say to Zedekiah, thus says the Lord God of Israel. Behold, I will turn back the weapons of war that are in your hands with which you fight against the king of Babylon and the Chaldeans who besiege you outside the walls. And I will assemble them in the midst of the city. I myself will fight against you with an outstretched hand and with a strong arm, even in anger and fury and great wrath. I will strike the inhabitants of this city, both man and beast. They shall die of great pestilence. Normally, we think of God as being for us and not against us. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Romans, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? But in this case, the Lord was against them. Why? Because they had forsaken his covenant and worshipped other gods. The Lord had warned them again and again, but they paid no attention. They continued hardening their hearts against his word. Now his mind was made up, and there was no turning back. The kings of Judah had led the people past the point of no return. What a tragedy! As we consider our own nation, we see that God has blessed us abundantly. We have been the recipients of justice and freedom. We are the richest nation on the planet. There was a time when we were known for the missionaries that we sent to other nations, sharing the gospel and living it out before many people. But we have taken for granted his blessings and thought that we could sin against his laws with impunity. We assume that God is for us, but the truth is that God judges impartially. He will reward each person not according to their heritage, but according to what they do. God is for us as we are in Christ and submitted to him. But... If we stiffen our necks and reject the Lord Jesus Christ, then he will be against us as he was his own people during the days of Zedekiah. King Zedekiah wanted God to judge Nebuchadnezzar and drive him off. But instead, Nebuchadnezzar was God's instrument to judge Judah and drive them off into captivity. The Lord had once delivered his people from Egypt with an outstretched hand and strong arm, but now in his anger, fury and great wrath, he would fight against his own people with an outstretched hand and a strong arm. And afterward, says the Lord, I will deliver Zedekiah, king of Judah, his servants and the people and such as are left in this city from the pestilence and the sword and the famine into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of those who seek their life, and he shall strike them with the edge of the sword. He shall not spare them or have pity or mercy. Things would not go well for Zedekiah. King Nebuchadnezzar would capture him, his sons, and his nobles. Then Zedekiah's sons would be slain before his eyes, and Zedekiah's eyes would be put out. He would then be taken to Babylon, where he would die the entire city, including the temple, would be burned, and those people who survived the sword, the famine, and the pestilence would be then taken captive to Babylon. Now you shall say to this people, thus says the Lord, Behold, I set before you the way of life and the way of death. He who remains in this city shall die by the sword, by famine, and by pestilence. But he who goes out and defects to the Chaldeans who besiege you, He shall live and his life shall be a prize to him. For I have set my face against this city for adversity and not for good, says the Lord. It shall be given into the hand of the king of Babylon and he shall burn it with fire. Even at this late stage, God was setting a way of life and death before the people. They could escape with their lives if they would surrender to the king of Babylon. But if they refused to surrender... Then they would die by the sword, famine, or pestilence. Now, many would consider Jeremiah's words to be treason. But in fact, since Nebuchadnezzar was God's instrument of judgment against the nation, if they surrendered to Nebuchadnezzar, they were in fact surrendering to the Lord. But if they resisted him, then they were resisting the Lord. That would be the way of death to them. God also places before us the way of life and death. It is up to us to choose. The way of life is only through the cross of Jesus Christ. We must confess that we are sinners, that we have fallen short of God's glorious standard and believe that God sent Jesus Christ to die for our sins. No one can come to the Father except through Jesus Christ because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And this is the only way of eternal life for us. But if we will not submit ourselves to God by believing in Jesus Christ, then we choose the way of sin and death. The choice is before us. Is God fair? Absolutely. He gives each of us the opportunity to save our lives. But he won't force us to choose life, although the Lord weeps for those who don't. If you have not received the life that is in Christ, then why not? Why would you go your own way and choose death? Jeremiah now gives a message specifically to the kings of Judah. And this continues through the end of chapter 22, verse 11. And concerning the house of the king of Judah, say, hear the word of the Lord, O house of David. Thus says the Lord. Execute judgment in the morning and deliver him who is plundered out of the hand of the oppressor, lest my fury go forth like fire and burn so that no one can quench it because of the evil of your doings. While judgment could not be avoided, it could be lessened if the leaders and people would change their ways. God's ways were not complicated. Execute judgment and deliver the oppressed. The prophet Micah would essentially say the same thing. Micah 6, 8 says, He has shown you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Verse 13, Behold, I am against you, O inhabitant of the valley and rock of the plain, says the Lord, who say, Who shall come down against us? Or who shall enter our dwellings? But I will punish you according to the fruit of your doings, says the Lord. I will kindle a fire in its forest, and it shall devour all things around it. The kings of Judah thought Jerusalem was impregnable, but God would bring down a fire from the north to consume them, and there would be no escape. Chapter 22. Thus says the Lord, go down to the house of the king of Judah and there speak this word and say, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, you who sit on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless or the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you indeed do this thing, then shall enter the gates of this house riding on horses and in chariots accompanied by servants and people, kings who sit on the throne of David. But if you will not hear these words, I swear by myself, says the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. So now the Lord's message became even more focused on King Zedekiah the last king of Judah before the captivity. Even now, God was giving Zedekiah hope if he would execute judgment and righteousness. If Zedekiah would have surrendered to King Nebuchadnezzar, no doubt he still would have gone into captivity. But perhaps his sons would have been spared and his eyes would have still been intact. Moreover, he could have guaranteed that his dynasty would have continued in future generations. God's patience and mercy amaze me. For thus says the Lord to the house of the king of Judah, You are Gilead to me, the head of Lebanon, yet I surely will make you a wilderness, cities which are not inhabited. I will prepare destroyers against you. Everyone with his weapons, they shall cut down your choice cedars and cast them into the fire. And many nations will pass by this city and everyone will say to his neighbor, Why has the Lord done so to this great city? Then they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God, and worshipped other gods and served them. Gilead was the most fertile part of Israel, and the highest was the mountain range of Lebanon, from which came the headwaters of the Jordan River. Likewise, Jerusalem had been the apple of God's eye, but He would make it, and the other cities of Judah, An uninhabited wilderness. The cedars that had been used to build the king's palace and the temple would be cut down and burned. Many nations would observe the desolation and say, Why did this happen? And they would answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshipped other gods and served them. You know, we are told that God is love, and to those who have surrendered their lives to Him, His perfect love casts out all fear. But we can also resist God's will and refuse His covenant of grace. But to do that would be to seal our doom. Why would we ever want to do that?
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify and please leave us a review. Tomorrow we will see where Jeremiah delivers three messages to three sons of Josiah, who ruled as kings of Judah, but who did not do right in the eyes of the Lord. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Jeremiah, on Simply the Bible.